Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Conservation, a laid-back podcast where we discuss everything from cool animals, conservation, the environment, and what we can do to help. I'm Robert Pike, a field journalist for the Global Conservation Force, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Veal, a world-renowned rhino conservationist and president of the Global Conservation Force. Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Conservation with host Robert Pike and myself, Mike Veal. Tonight, we are joined by two of our longtime good friends, Marlena and Xander, who also work in conservation, except they work through the lens and they tell the stories from the field. So, guys... Honestly, it's a pleasure to have you in my backyard with our campfire uh, set up here. I love it. Thanks for having us, Mike. And there's pizza and there's yes. sangria. It's actually, I'm like, it's not even, it's not coffee and conservation tonight. It's like cocktails and conservation. Absolutely. <laughs> tonight it is cocktails and conservation, which shouting it back to uh, 2018. Oh, yeah. Where we, we were setting this up. That. And we're going to hit that up. And that we're going to only leave that as a teaser because we have a lot of plans with that. Yes. And, uh, we don't want any spoilers out there. 2021, baby. That's right. Honey, do you want to get up in the conversation? or? I feel, I, oh, they, I, somebody else wants <laughs> yes. to get in the conversation. Yeah, Odin, Odin has uh, something Odin, to say. Uh, one of my Malinois is very excited to tune in. He's just stoked. <laughs> Robert, are, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I ate way too many pizzas because it was a pizza party. Well, I walked in, right? And they were like, hey, welcome. Here's pizza and juice. And I was like, these are two of my favorite things. Juice. And I had juice. way Quote, too unquote, much juice. pizza. Yeah. Juice. Yeah. Juice. I had way too much. I was like, oh, what's up, six slices? Yeah. So, yeah. Just slide it right on down. Yeah, I feel like, like you know, when a snake eats too much, it just kind of like vibes. There you go. You know. Yeah, you look a little glazed right now. <laughs> dude, I, I was so I was so funny because I was on the way over here. I was like, dude, I don't want to be hangry in front of, in front of them because they're going to think I'm like moody. No, no, <laughs> not at all. With that mustache is curling perfectly right really now good. too. Oh, no, okay. You look so yeah. happy right now. I'm so, I'm not, we're, happy, happy as we're literally happy campers around this fire right yeah. now, so it's awesome. It's, it's uh in the theme of how we've all traveled, you know, we got to keep it to the tradition. I mean, um, if we were in the bush right now, we'd be chilling by a fire with the bride going and we'd have our <laughs> choice of cocktails, beer, whatever it'd be. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd probably be settling after a really long day of You'd work. You'd be exhausted right now. Yeah. We'd be staring at the fire. <laughs> exactly. Just like, oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, right? Well, I'll say this. I just want to shout out. And also shout out to Amadine. Yeah. Your lady. Right. Your right, your right she's, hand lady. She's helping out. This, she's helping yes, keeping the dogs girl, uh, uh, under control cheers. today. Because the backyard looks amazing. You got the fire going, but you also have the twinkle lights. I'm a sucker for twinkle lights. You guys did the spread. I was like, oh, it's a shame we don't have video with this one, but people wait, can use wait, their imagination. The visual again. You're yeah. all the visual. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, people can use their imagination like and be with us. So thanks for having us. Moment right I now, wish you guys you know? could all who tuning in. I know uh, the millions you know, of people we'll have tuning to do it in again right now. Where we we do have like a live yeah. video special live. Yes, maybe there's some behind the scenes footage that'll be floating that's around it. when VR. this comes out. We'll do so VR. Knows? We can sit cool. next to us. I like it. Somebody can go. sit on our laps. There you go. I like it. So Xander, Marlena, you guys both have a very important role in conservation, and uh, I mean, you've helped GCF tell its story, and you've helped me tell my story. Um, but more, more importantly than that, you've reached so many quiet backyard, you know, quote, backyard, um, <laughs> hard to find and hard to reach conservation efforts that didn't have a voice. And 
like that's your mission. Yeah. You really not only bring a voice with it, you launch it with this epic artistic style and do visual storytelling and you hit everybody with the impact of that conservation film, whether it's five minutes or 25 Shame. Thanks. I don't, 25. I'm like, I think making a ranger, which is what I did, you know, with, with you guys through GCF. So shout out to you for making that project happen. That was my, my longest project, I think, to date. And then most of our other stuff has been, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes that we, that Xander and I've collaborated on. But yeah, I mean, you know, I would say as a, I, I never thought that would be my role. I honestly thought I was going to take more of a traditional route, like, like you guys. And, you know, I thought, I mean, my dream was always to be a primatologist. And then I don't know, I think, uh, putting putting not only like what I'm interested in but also I think what I what I have a little bit of a knack for I'm like you know what there's a need for that in the conservation space and you know when you're out there I always say this like when folks are out there doing the hard the hard work the hard labor on the front lines all the time like when do you when do you have the time the means or you know it's not a priority to to tell your story to do the marketing and it's something I love doing and enjoying doing and I don't know I guess I was like maybe that's maybe that's going to be where I fit in this that's where my little puzzle piece was and, and then, then that's then how just, this one and then I just tagged along <laughs> <laughs> no like your photography is so good, though, Xander. Like, Damn, it's gotten so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was spied. I mean, there's so many of us out there, I feel like, uh, who who uh, who like to take pretty pictures of pretty animals. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I never knew that that was going to be my passion. Um, I started at, in film school. I knew I was a creative mm-hmm. and wanted to make movies. I mean, my first movie was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And then uh, that, that was my first big experience in the theater in South Africa. Um, and ever since that, I was inspired by films, but not photography, not still photography so much. I did go to film school, made a few really, really embarrassing. Uh, oh, we're digging them up films. one day. We oh, might dude, have to do that. I've been there too. Of, I'm going to need more sangria to share that <laughs> with you guys. But, uh, but yeah, um, no, but it was an amazing journey. Um, and then I ran into this little lady right here and um, she inspired me. So... Mm. After like a bad accident, motorcycle accident, um, we uh, decided, well, she decided for us that it's time <laughs> to get my butt off the couch. And uh, I had almost lost the leg, so I had to remember how to use it again. Mm-hmm. But we, we went back home to South Africa where my origins are from and um, reconnected with the wild in that sense. And I just tagged along and, and, and discovered this passion for photography. He did a lot more than tag along. I mean, he- Yeah, he, I don't think you're giving yourself enough this credit there. This he is got true. Us I did all the packing. Yeah, all the packing. <laughs> he drove us seven, for seven countries. We lived out of a Land Rover for yeah, seven we months. We, we actually, I sat there in the passenger, just like on my phone, like with my feet up. And with he did all the work. With seven bags of <laughs> are you, rubber. Are you a passenger? Oh, absolutely. There you go, I'm a passenger. I don't drive at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I did drive, I got pulled over by the Federales. Oh, damn. To hear this story. Oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, so I don't drive because in South Africa, obviously, that you're on the other side of the road. Yes, I'm, I'm not a very good driver here. Unless you're on the dirt road, then it yeah, doesn't matter. True. But like, and like, it's on the other side. The steering wheel's on the other side of the car. I don't know how to drive manual, so that's my out. I'm never going to learn because this that. way I don't have to learn. You know, Same. this way I don't have to drive. And so I didn't drive for the first little leg of Mexico, and I was like, "This is great. I'm having a great time. I <laughs> yeah. get to, you know, I get to look out the passenger side yeah. window and like, yo, that's a crazy dog and cool things like that." Yes. And then Mike, we we fly to Mexico City and Mike's like, yo, I'm tired. Can you drive? I was Ooh. like, okay. And then and I'm thinking, you know, it's not going to be that bad. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's the end of the day. Hour drive. Hour well, you're so nonchalant. You're like, here, take the wheel right now. 
That's literally how I did it. He on me at the rental shop. He, <laughs> right. he was renting the car. He was like, and they were like, how many drivers? He goes, one. And he was like, hand them your driver's license. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm already, like, I get in the car. I'm already, my hands are already sweating because Mexico City is a big-ass city. Yes. And we get about half a mile, and we get pulled over by the federales. And they're like, mm. you were speeding. You were going 55 kilometers in a 30-kilometer zone or whatever. Which, which is totally nonsense he, he, because oh, yeah, yeah. it's full of potholes. You can't drive fast. And yeah. they were like, it's Sounds familiar. Yeah. So they 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 pulled me over. They they tried extorting like it's like 450 American out of me. Damn, um, that's a lot. Yeah, they were oh, like, yeah, they pushed hard on yeah, it. Yeah, they were really? like, yeah, in Mexico. I yep. I would never. Well, Mexico City. Was right, this, was, this was recent. This correct? was like two yeah, weeks I was ago. Gonna ask. Yeah. So it was COVID. You know, COVID, mm. we had to make up for losses. Yeah. You know, can you quickly tell? I'm actually haven't heard the story. What oh. the hell were you guys doing in Mexico? Oh okay. yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, to back it up, uh, we were there on a special case for uh, legal pet trade, wildlife trafficking, mm. and we were closing the loop on the full story. And this is kind of where it's also funny. Um, my absolute need to tell the entire story from pre-rescue, rescue mm-hmm. to handoff of the Margay, um, which we realistically could have just like hit them up with you know, request for pictures and video, but I wanted to personally see the cat get delivered to the rescue facility, Mm -hmm. do an in-person assessment, and then also make plans with those, the rescue there so that if things popped up in the future, we could actually facilitate across border relations for rescue rehab, counter wildlife trafficking, and not have to hop down. So yeah, we could have stayed at a beautiful like we had a beachside like beautiful yes. Um, when we were villa. getting the rescue, yeah. we lucked out. We didn't think it was going to be that nice, mm. and we didn't think it was going to be as cool as it was. Okay. Yeah, you could see the ocean, everything like that, and then we were like, you know what? Let's go to Mexico City. Like let's let's you know get it all the way to the end, and then we get there, and then the federales you know give us trouble, and then I'm a <laughs> slow driver. I don't speed ever at anything, Respect and so that. yeah, and so like after we we get pulled over, Mike talks him down a little bit more. And then so yeah, I, I had to drive and then, yeah, that's, you know, half a mile in, we still have like an hour and a half of driving. So it's like the speed limit. I saw a sign. It was like 40 kilometers on the mm. freeway. So I'm going 35 kilometers on the freeway. Mm. Everybody's passing me. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't think, I think I passed so you one stood, car. Stood out like a sore thumb oh, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just doe-eyed, and I just didn't want to. In Mike's scheme, Mike's was, probably pulsed out next to you. Oh, dude, he was he was giving me the hardest time. He was he was recording me. He was like, "Hey, they're watching this. Robert's about to pass another car." And here it is. I was oh. like, "Oh, guys, this is a big move. Here yeah. we go. We're yeah. about to make a pass, oh, and we shame. made a pass." That's what so. I love about road trips. Mm-hmm. It's exactly this. That's it. Yeah. I love that. Well, and, that, minus the getting pulled over part. No, yeah, yes. yeah, that well, part. Sucks. Well, I don't think we've told this part of the story yet, but. We get to the hotel. It's an hour and a half away. I've realized oh, we, didn't that, we didn't tell this story. We didn't tell this story. I realized that I have to drive back, and so I've kind of got like I'm st- I'm stress sweating. I'm in st- I'm stress sweat for like the next like 18 oh, hours God. because like I have to drive back to Mexico City and I have to face these federales again. So like I, okay. I slept. Wait, and you're on you, manual. You're missing. No, no. Thankfully, this is automatic. Oh, you missed yeah. one part. Oh, so, changing the gears for yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we hit several <laughs> epic fails. The Hotel said they had food. They didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we tried to order out. We couldn't. Mm-hmm. We tried to get like their version of DoorDash. It didn't work. Nothing. And then when we contacted all these restaurants, none of them were open because of COVID. And then even if we went outside, which was pretty sketch, there wasn't anything open. And this was like prime time. So we're, I'm like hangry. Down. Oh, and my gosh. So we end up 
walking the streets and finding a couple taco carts, which were epic, by the way. They were fine. But uh, this is... This is step one to step three of this. <laughs> I see this uh, street vendor making like some type of street corn. I was like, oh my gosh, that looks good. I go, Robert, keep in mind, we're out there because we're starving. I go, Robert, doesn't that look really good? And he's like, do you want something? I was like, it's only like 50 cents for a cup of it. And he goes, I don't street think I'm hungry. Bomb. No, I'm cool. Yeah. And then like I step back, mm. stop my laughter and go, you mean to tell me our whole starvation walk out here and now you're not hungry mm. at all? And, and like I'm staring right at this. This uh, street vendor okay. who obviously can't understand it, so I'm chuckling. Well, you, you paint this in a very favorable light towards you, though, because this is this so. Is, then, what's the real light? Okay, Give us so a It's a lot like <laughs> okay, there's always apocalyptic sides. like city. You know, everything's closed. It's, it's like they have a curfew, right? So as soon as it's dark, everything closes down. There's nobody. Nobody's driving. The you, you know, it's dark. There's no lights. You hear like because every, of COVID. Because I think it's because oh, of yeah, COVID. I, was, yeah. I remember going to Mexico City and it was popping. Yeah, no, it's oh, this yeah. best food I've ever had. Everything. It was a crazy, beautiful city. And random side note, best Italian food I've ever had in my really? life was in Mexico so City. Random. Sidebar. Really? So I, yeah, I had side a sidebar that one. Yeah. <laughs> best Italian food I've ever I can't remember the restaurant. If I ever remember, I'll let I, you guys know. But say, best Italian food I've ever had yeah. in my life was Mexico City. Dude, food was crazy. really good. But yeah, no, everything was closed down. There you would see like one person, but they were like running the other way. Mm. Like nobody wanted to be outside. Probably and, curfew, yeah. Yeah. And Mike's strolling around. He's like, hey, what do, you, what do you think about this hot dog? And there's this girl like cooking corn, like on a trash can kind of thing. And Hell yeah, and that's, was, how we, that's how we that's do it down yeah, in Mexico. But like, but like, I just got pulled over, and I was like, "Who knows?" I, know I completely, yeah, I can completely okay, comprehend so we that. We end up getting we, tamales, tamales from a street vendor, and hot dogs, and hot dogs, and a couple waters. And in Mexico City, yeah. and, and you know, once upon a time in Mexico, yeah. So <laughs> Live life. we come back to the hotel. <laughs> cool man didn't even have a stiff drink yet. No, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and I hadn't either. And so we get back to the hotel. He has one hot dog. He has one tamale. Yeah. I have the other two hot dogs and a tamale. Then the next morning, I sleep like an hour at night. I couldn't. I couldn't oh. fall asleep because of the driving. You were that stressed. It, it was the huh? driving and then the, the street food. I guess. Mike, yes. you're gonna so, put him out like Hold on, hold on. Here's the it part. Gets better. Here's the part. So oh. the next day, I go. How you doing, buddy? Sweating. You ready for the day? And we we did the first podcast yeah. for the coffee and conservation launch. Wow. And um, he's like, yeah, I'm just tired and probably need more coffee. And yep. we're talking about it. He goes down. We eat more food. He we, eats more food. Yeah. So we get breakfast and then we have our podcast. He goes, yeah, just my stomach's off. He tells yeah. the lady mm, at breakfast. It's those street dogs, bro. And he goes, he goes, oh, it was definitely those street hot dogs. And uh -huh. I go, bro, I had two. You had one. Mm. It's not the street hot dogs. Mm. He goes, yeah, okay. I all had right. a different dog than you. <laughs> Oh, my, my hot dog is different. I'll say that. Like, road trip food is, is always a surprise. I mean, yeah. the smorgasbord of crap you eat, I don't know. But in general, though, and I don't want to no, no, get off topic it. here, but in general, though, when you're on the road, your stomach just tenses up anyways. You, yeah, to, you, you yeah. know, so I can, I can I can respect he, that. I've he had just wasn't chicken. telling me how stressed had, he was. Yeah, I didn't tell him how – because I've, I've never really had – that was the first time my stomach's ever hurt from any stress food. ulcer. Yeah, that's your what stomach. it feels like, yeah. Mm. And he didn't tell me that at all. Yeah. So I'm just chuckling at him because I'm just, like the fake food yeah, story. I'm like, why don't you just fake. tell him you don't want the food, bro? Yeah. It's like whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so we uh, – the entire day goes on. I'm – just dreading it. I'm like, okay, I have driving. five hours until I have to drive. Four oh hours until I have to God. drive. So Three we, hours until I have to drive. We drive to the Invictus Foundation. Mm -hmm. He drives. Yeah. And uh, it's a world setup. It really is BFE, like out in the middle mm. of nowhere. And then um, he, I can see him starting to panic yeah, I'm further as we're getting yeah. closer to the drive and we're in a yeah. meeting. 
and I could see it. And I'm like, I just, this, it's like, so we were supposed to leave at 5.15 and it's 5.20. So I, I got, yeah, it's, it's getting dark. You and, know? and so I just I like. You made him drive at night, buddy? No, no. Here's, this is the kicker. Here's the testament of our friendship. I, I lean over like, bro, don't worry about it. I'm going to drive back. 15 minutes before we drive back. He goes, yo, give me the keys. The I'm going to drive. Day. You could have <laughs> whole day. He didn't the tell me. Your stress, diarrhea, day. and everything. Yeah. Mike just oh, yeah. told you. Oh, yeah, dude. Diarrhea since last Easter. I mean, yeah, that's a friendship on another level. So, yeah. And then. This yeah. last season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's like, just give me the keys. He was like, I was never going to have you drive back anyway. Yeah, and I was like, so, but this guy, then he, so then he has a small heart attack in the passenger seat and goes, I literally didn't sleep last night because of this. I go, bro, you should have just told me. I would have taken over for it. And he's like, Aww. he's like, no. I wanted to like do it though. Like I was like, I, I got, I right? can't like, yeah. you know, it was like something I was like, I, I have to force go. myself to do this. And so I was mentally it's a getting challenge. ready. You have to yeah. overcome. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad I didn't because we would have absolutely missed our, our plane. Oh yeah. Because we would have been like, going 20 and a hundred mile Mike an hour. Mike was going like 130. And I was and, just like, uh, remember the last part? It yeah. was like Star Fox mission. Uh, we threw on the rave music. We're in Mexico City. Mexican I'm blowing techno. through all these green lights, but there's like what should be three lanes is seven. Mm-hmm. And there's all these in- inlet streets that don't make any sense. Nothing's and I've labeled. turned on the rave music and I'm driving through of course you mad did. city traffic to get us there in time. And Robert's like, this is crazy. Yeah. He's like, I feel like I'm, I'm like in a, a video rally game. car driver. I'm like, I'm like left 30, <laughs> right yeah. four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Most important part about that is a lot of times in another country, it's really smart to have someone who's actually helping you with navigation. Yeah. If I didn't have Robert's navigation <clears throat> or rap, map reading, I wouldn't have been able to drive like that because the streets were unmarked, dark, yeah. like pervy, off-centered. I mean, again, like something that was two lanes with seven. It was gnarly. I know, I know this probably sounds silly to people listening. They're like, oh my God, it's just driving. But it's like, Mm-mm. honestly, if, I, I'll say that. I can you make this saying whole podcast this? about driving. driving. Yeah. We, could oh, probably, yeah. we could talk for an like hour because that was our biggest, like one, that was our biggest fight. Like we literally almost got a divorce over this, over driving. Zambia, right? Every, I mean, Zambia every, I would divorce say, road. Divorce, yeah. there was, yeah. Zambia it's not the real road. road name, but it's the we one call it I divorce road. I'm sticking sure. with it. And then the navigation thing, because mm-hmm. I'm terrible. Like if I- She's like, well, no. there's going to be a tree in 300 yards. And that sounds great, but I just passed 18 trees. So No, in all fairness, I, I'm going off of, I have a little SIM card. It's yeah. a little laggy. It's slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, if I'm like, oh, we're going to be turning right. And then we might pass it, but it just told me. And it's my fault. It's sure. my, the little lady in the maps. We have to blame you for something. Yeah. You can't be as yeah. perfect as you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. You know? No, but it was, well, it, the driving was, He's like, was earlier wild. today, so sidebar, side note, we we interviewed one of my instructors from when I went into anti-putch ranger camp, and it was like wait, 30 minutes. sloppy seconds right now? Is this it? No, no, it was oh, like okay. thirty minutes of roasting. He me. was the warm up. Oh, it was okay. hilarious. Okay. Did you, wait, you did you light him a fire and pour him sangria as well? No, 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 okay. no. Unfortunately, no. That's fine. We're gonna cheers, babe. Cheers. We're special We got the. We're on a digital broadcast. Fair enough. So yeah, but I mean, long story short, with that, Robert survived. Uh, yeah, he built character. I built character. I'm never driving. Dude, it was so funny because the whole the whole trip before, we're like, I can't wait to go back. I want to learn more Spanish. Get in touch with like, because I'm you know I'm a quarter Mexican, so I was like, I want to get in touch yeah. with my with my Latin roots. Oh it's yeah, this awesome. is him all the way up until the police. Yeah, and then I get pulled over like I'm never learning Spanish. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but maybe hot sauce again. But if again. you had, maybe if you'd had a little more, then they would have. They would have. If I think it's 100. Yeah, yeah. If I could oh, speak yeah, Spanish, they'd be like, yo, it's 20 bucks. You know, 100. That's all they want to do. No, yeah, yeah. We got pulled over. 
so we went to 10. Was I mean, wait, are we going there? Well, okay, no, no, it's I know. Fine. I'm not trying to steal No, it. no, no, you're not. But I, I'm like, I'm so used to always like, guy, we're, like we're so used to like pushing the conversation, but we're sure. on Mike's podcast tonight. Yeah. No, no, we're, oh, we're, we're not on Mike's podcast. Don't worry. I'm going to bring it back to this. Okay. But so to we have plenty of circle back to the beginning here, um, one of the things that I like to do with tying in the conservation theme is, okay, videographer, photographer, editor, content creators, right? A lot of people think conservation has to be, unfortunately, the old version is like the old white PhD dude who's in the bush. Now, it has historically been a scene where uh, affluent families have thrived, mm -hmm. but for finally catching up and I should say leveling the playing field. Um, so, okay, so you guys brought your videography uh Obviously, tonight's mixing uh, is being done on a computer. That was Xander helping us out. Yes, um, yeah, maybe. So, I mean, this is conservation. We're going to be telling the behind-the-scenes stories of all the comedy that happens, but also, like, the connectivity to the real world, right? Yeah. You know, sure. It's not so isolated that it can't happen in your backyard or that you can't make an impact. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. So, I like to take it to the daily. Do you drink tea or coffee for for breakfast in the Ooh, morning. Well, I can answer for him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I'll answer for you. You go Ooh. ahead. There we go. One, one, two, three, coffee. Tea. There you go. Really? Yeah. Okay. Xander's a coffee drinker. I'm a tea drinker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have. I like that little bullet coffee that you, the concoction. So I take. He thinks it makes him skinnier. A hundred percent. Wait, bullet coffee? What's that? So, so you, probably, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I went to Starbucks once and they had this thing. I heard the person order bullet coffee. Yeah. And long story short, it's it's black coffee. With, a, with butter, but typically gross-fed butter. Really? Butter, for people yeah. who are like butter. Or like, I can use my American accent too. Yeah, that's it. Butter. Oh! <laughs> you like that? There you go. Wow. Yes. No, but it's so, texture the way you say it. Say it again. Coffee and butter. <laughs> butter. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. So, it's just black coffee and butter, and I, I typically have it in a big cup. I actually stole her big cup mm. that her dad gave her. It's now my favorite cup. Mm -hmm. And she'll, she'll make herself a little – she's very – she loves like the – crumpets and tea kind of party so she has a I'm whole so tea party bougie. i have a tea party it's all so the time good. by myself I, I, it's healthier so i do yeah. like my earl gray for breakfast sometimes mm -hmm. really? what about rooibos i do like rooibos oh, and i, should have I like some. that in the afternoon yes yes if we're going to talk about tea really quick can we just tell them about the best i mean i didn't want to give away all the secrets of the road trip early but the tea tell them about oh. the best. if you guys want the best tea uh recipe we lived off of this for seven yeah. months we made a little video of it and we did so it's rooibos rooibos tea condensed milk Bro, oh, yes. Live life. That is really. it. Yes. Um, it's sweet. Yep. It's so good. You have one cup. And a sure. little splash of milk. And you know, you're set for the day. It okay. is so good. Mm -hmm. no, Do I yourself really, a favor. That reminded me almost at the beginning of like that old SNL skit. He's like, Tonight's skinny on. And he's like, what you really need to have if you're in Zambia. Yeah. Yes. And literally. He's like, you're going to get rooibos tea it's and you're going to get some canned condensed milk. Yes. 100%. Honestly, it's all, it's what I look forward to. I'd wake up in the morning and I'm really? like, tonight on the fire, I'm going to have the condensed tea, rooibos tea. Like, the, excuse me, condensed milk, rooibos tea. Like, I would look forward to it all day. I like Because like, you're on the road, you guys know, you start to just like mm. crave the small, simple oh, things. Oh, sure. The, the simple comforts yeah. make your day and night. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. Uh, Robert, what kind of coffee did you drink? 
black okay. Pike's Place. But I did have, I did mm. try some tea for the first time at Cariega. Did you? Yeah. Oh, and I've never, oh yeah, they I've, have Roadways too. Yeah, I've never really had tea before. And really? Vienne was like, yo, do you want uh, cream in your tea? I go, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. one of the mm. was, Rangers. Yeah, and he was so upset that I didn't take cream oh, in shame. the tea. Yeah, I respect that. Like, that's, that's, that's a yeah. Southern Hemisphere thing, I feel yeah. like. Well, actually, in India, we experience that a lot too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you just have, you have a little bit of um, milk with your tea. Yeah. You know, I prefer it that way. Absolutely. Yeah, and it actually cools you down. I always, I always thought that was a fairy tale, but it really does. A little warm mm. tea in the warm day mm. makes you cool. So, with this theme, uh, if you could buy sustainable coffee and you could buy sustainable fair trade tea mm. every single time, if that was an option, that's a daily chase that or change that changes the pace of coffee and tea. Mm-hmm. If uh, majority of people take it, right? Mm-hmm. Which you guys have seen the same. You've been there uh, in these countries that are coffee crops and tea crops. And when things aren't managed right, externally it looks okay. But when you really boil down, you see all the trouble. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, that's actually, I'm glad, I love that you brought that up. It's a great way to tie the conservation into like the theme of the, of the show. Cause that's yeah. something that we noticed. And I mean, I think anyone, if you've been out on the field and projects, like so many of, of, of frontline conservation um, projects and, and efforts, a lot of them, especially if they're focused on like community-based conservation are, are really trying to diversify and, you know, and, and get into like things like shade grown coffee, yes. you know, for whether it be off season, if ecotourism isn't booming. I mean, and right now, I mean, if, if you look at a lot of projects that have been able to sustain themselves it's because they have alternative means of, of making a living and using their land besides just tourism um right, so i know that coffee yeah. and i mean correct me if i'm wrong i don't know a whole ton but i mean i i've at least quite a few i mean especially out in uganda when we were talking with dr gladys and that doing right. the, the shade gun coffee they have an the amazing gr- project out there mm-hmm Gorilla Conservation Coffee is what it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Know yeah. and so yeah, really? they're they're doing a great stuff. <laughs> yeah, where they're paying all the farmers. They they basically are, are almost guaranteeing the farmers, you know, uh, um, an income. Like they're 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 buying up all of their green their green coffee beans, um, and they're and they're essentially sitting on it, and then they're finding people to you know to sell it that they can then bring it here, and then they can roast it here. It's actually a really beautiful um, we project. Have to, I have to give a shout out to Dr. Gladys and Lawrence, her husband. Yeah, amazing people. But a uh, uh, pleasure of knowing them too. Uh, but in in also Mozambique. So I'm I'm. I'm I was groomed into conservation through Molina, obviously. Mm. Um, I mean, I have a real tight bond with the Kruger National Park, being that my ancestry and stuff like that. But I never really... Um his great grand, I'm his sure. great grandfather was uh, Paul Kruger. Yeah, great, really? sorry, sorry, great 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 grandfather. On my grandmother's side, his grandmother's great great. Hattie Kruger, uh, shout out to her too, but she's so lost. he's he's oh, all, cool. you've always loved wildlife. No, loved it's not his own yeah. me. No, but I've I've never really immersed myself in that capacity. And and our first little trip, starting into uh, we bought a Land Rover, went into Mozambique was our first African country there. Uh, obviously, also South Africa, but I always see South Africa as home. Home, yeah, yeah exactly. Kruger says Disneyland. Exactly. So we went into. Mozambique and we went to Gorongosa National Park and there they educated me on not everybody can be a ranger you know exactly. so so job opportunity is scarce so what do they do for the rest of the community and so obviously Molina told me about community-based conservation the importance exactly. of that and, and and that's the true balance and they have to a beautiful, perfection and they have exactly. a beautiful um, coffee project that they're that they're doing there so they also it, sell their coffee their shade grown coffee to help raise money for the park the conservation but also it helps employ local farmers and um, so that they don't you know have to, to and it protects 
is yeah. the, it protects the forest too from fires because the coffee because it's low, grown lower it mm -hmm. absorbs a lot of the fires if there's forest fires yeah. mm -hmm. so it's, it's a green crop too yeah. so yeah. it's not going to be highly flammable it's a yeah it's exactly. a beautiful project but I'm noticing and I guess like the point of bringing that stuff up is I am noticing a lot of really gr really well done like holistic approaches to conservation it seems like a lot of them are in incorporating coffee growing into exactly. their into their um, to their projects so I mean that's really cool and I think that that's something that you guys I'm sure will probably explore a lot on this podcast well, I also think it's awesome that you you preface the first question with that because that's part of my first it's your first every day. ten minutes it's your of daily. Yeah. exactly yeah you're so right so that's beautiful thank you now for, you'll think about conservation every will, time you drink yeah, your coffee yeah, yeah so <laughs> it's, in the morning it, you know, you tell me to get it for them <laughs> the number one thing that like I get from GCF is we do all these presentations all this outreach and of course we're doing we have our flashy projects which I you know most people think the anti poaching stuff is flashy or some of the animal relocation or coloring stuff. But the less flashy, like education, community-based conservation projects, um, those don't catch the attention. But also, with all of that that happens, everybody wants to jump straight to that. But they they're missing the first couple thousand steps they can take at home. I mean, farmers markets, uh, ethical choices in coffee, uh, sustainable foods and seasons, composting. I mean, all these things that. It takes us back to a time before single-use everything, throwaway culture, mm -hmm. if you will, um, which, I mean, we can better our living conditions here and abroad easily for humans and wildlife mm -hmm. if we just take those simple approaches. Uh, so that's, like, why we, we go there. Um, have you guys seen the documentary Kiss the Ground? I haven't. You told me about it and you told so me to watch good. it. Yeah. I felt like it was my homework the last time I talked yeah, to you. So I, I'm bringing I it back up that. again. I brought it up in one of the previous podcasts. But uh, basically, I was just going to say, this helps you understand sometimes conservation comes at you in extremism. You have all or nothing courts. And mm. it doesn't have to be that way. Um, there is a middle of the road. Uh, you know, I myself, I'm not vegetarian. Um, but I do sustainably go for my food sources. Uh, you know, I'm a fisherman and all other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I grow, uh, like you can see over there, you can see my garden box. That's my salad box and <laughs> whatnot. If everybody chipped in a little bit, we would, we buy a lot of time back. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, not everybody has to go to extreme roots and, you know, extreme mm -hmm. ways to make changes. If you're not comfortable with some of those changes, you can start as simple as coffee or your tea. I so love true. that. I um, love that. And honestly, I think, and not to like oversell it, but I think that you, you, you're really making a great point, Mike. And I think once, once you do start small, it's free. It's effing fun. Like it is, it is fun. fun. And I think, and it sounds so cheesy, but it really does. So I've got this random kind of example, but I think it kind of goes with that. I've gotten really into sewing and, and making my own stuff. 100% right there. And there's just something about like, almost, I don't want to call it like going old school, but kind of like whether, even if you're just growing your own tomatoes, your own basil, your own mm -hmm. cilantro, like whatever it may be, just like little stuff like that there's makes you just feel, it. there's pride in it. And it makes yeah. you feel connected to the stuff so that when you do go and you purchase it, you think a little more of like, God, a lot of work goes into this. And maybe you're a little more willing to pay like once I started sewing my own stuff I'm like the idea of spending buying a shirt for five dollars disgusts me now because I'm like 
it'll take me a whole day to make the day. I, I mean, no, obviously, I don't know what, you know what I mean, I'm doing. And people have, you know, they're, they're professionals. But I'm still saying, There's like, it's 50 just... 50 cut-up shirts at my house. Yes, I, yeah, I literally, like, I wouldn't cut up our our, uh, our shower curtain the other day because I needed to test some of the sample of something. <laughs> He's going to kill me. But I just, it sounds silly, but I do think there's something really beautiful about, you know, reconnecting to, like, where things come from. And sure. I think it makes you want to appreciate them so much more, but it also makes you unconsciously conscious or subconsciously conscious of your purchases. And you go somewhere and you're like, you know what? I am willing to spend a little more for it to be fair trade, I, to make sure that, you know, the people who are, are, are doing the hard work and the hard labor are earning a fair living wage. Right. And I am willing to like make more conscious choices because I, I see what goes into into something like that. So like you said, even starting small, even yeah, if it's, it's just it, little you, house you plants. You start respecting the craft. Yeah. You start respecting the trade. Hell yeah. You stop supporting things that abuse the craft and the trade. And yeah. so then you're supporting local. So like that's technically conservation because your your environmental footprint and reach is smaller, right? Mm-hmm. And your your local impact is bigger. So what does that mean? Supporting local companies, business, craftsmen, artisans, artists, whatever it is, mm-hmm. then your community's better. Yeah. And you know, like there's pride there. There's a pride. Like you go to a lot of small towns, and there's a lot of honor and pride in the small towns. Heck yeah. Absolutely. And there's connectivity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're and you're connecting with yourself if you do it for yourself too. Yes. Um, which I think is is kind of lost, especially now with COVID, everybody kind of being trapped indoors and yeah, yeah. and not having an outlet so to speak and kind of losing their purpose instead of going to work and having objectives and stuff like that every day I think that's a beautiful way of kind of reconnecting with yourself and then through the community you know? mm-hmm. so I think that's very important I think that's key that you said that yeah. plus the products that you're buying I mean I was at the farmers market today and the like the eggs are completely out of the world better than mm-hmm. any of the eggs Heck I've ever yeah. bought at the store. And, yeah. and you know, I, we got to talking to the guy. I was like, I, I've driven past his farm a hundred times and I didn't even know it. Wow, and I love it, that. Yeah, it's super, super cool. And, and it really, like you said, it makes you feel proud to, to support somebody in your local community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's what's really cool too is to touch back on Africa. I mean, that's what that's one of the most important things in conservation, it seems like. It is yeah, it's that talent. Your, you know, yeah. there's no silver bullet in conservation, which everybody mm-hmm. – wants there to be but there it's just not going to happen i mean you can have the strongest anti-poaching unit in the world and there's people are still gonna get through Mm -hmm. and there's still gonna be death on either side of the fence as we say i mean Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't stop it um if we don't tackle the demand if we don't tackle the syndicates and the corruption all the things that fall into place you're just putting you're putting a bucket on a fire that's the size of a house i mean yeah you're not actually stopping the fire from happening um which can seem overwhelming, I feel like, which it, made, sure. it makes you kind of be like, well, then what's the point? But I think that ties perfectly back to what you were saying before. It's like, you know, it can be overwhelming to be like, well, hell, I'm not even really making a difference. So what the heck does it matter? Conservation is so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? If the, if that if that does almost become debilitating in a sense of just like, then what's the point? Then I do think that like taking a step back and just starting small. Sure. And then, and then I think that in doing that, you tend to either see like, you know, what the next step could be or a clearer path or even you just feel good that you're doing your small part and honestly to be frank that's more than what a lot of people do so that's you deserve a pat on the back even if you make small little choices in your day-to-day life like that's huge like even if it's just the coffee like hell step one right yeah like good for you bro if if everybody became a ranger um who's gonna do the other the important things also well you know like it's not suited for everybody exactly um to just be real i mean and also for the rangers they're not suited for some of the other gigs Mm -hmm. exactly um all right so that throws me to the next question bring it 
what is the most overwhelming thing to you in conservation? What challenges Ooh. you? What roadblocks you? You know what? I you first no, 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 <laughs> no. I actually was I was gonna put you on the, in the hot seat. Oh wow! Because I always over talk him, and I, when he's been on, on my podcast, I'm always like, no. So da 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 da. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm trying to work on that. Because <laughs> you're the you're the expert. No, no. But um, you know what? That's that's BS. Xander actually knows a lot more. He's very observant. So I wanna I wanna hear what he says. I appreciate that. I'll Get tip it. you twenty later. I appreciate that. No. <laughs> so I. Uh, what's the biggest roadblock you said? Roadblock and what what overwhelms oh, you? Like what is overwhelming to you? When working on projects, like what, what makes you sometimes throws the brakes on you and kind of gives you that derailed feeling. Mm. Of, of course. No, that's a great question. So I'm going to start on the external first. So 30,000 feet, like you always like to say. Yeah. Um, so how I see it is when I first got, when I, when I first saw my first wildlife, um, literally in the wild, obviously, in Kruger National Park, I was blown away and, and it was so hauntingly beautiful that... I just wanted to stay there for the rest of my life, but I knew it was I, I couldn't. So it's it's going home and then forgetting about it. So how you can be involved? How you can be involved? And they can hear me, my love bug. Um, how you can be, be involved on a day to day basis? That's the overwhelming thing mm. from afar. And I think a lot of people back right now listening to this, sitting at home, they've gone on safaris potentially. They've gone on on uh, conservation projects. They volunteered their time, and now they're like, the world's shut down. I don't know what to do. How can I help? Mm -hmm. So the big picture thing is, how can I help? And I feel you feel overwhelmed because there's so many things. There's so many animals that need our help. There's so many um, living organisms that need our help, like coral reefs. Um, yeah. You know, so it's not just a big elephant out in the wild. It's it's microscopic to a certain extent, and that is overwhelming. That's um, a good one. I'm gonna pause yes. real quick and come back to that. Okay, so growing up, you grew up in Cape Town before coming over, right? I grew, I was born in Port Elizabeth, close to Cape Town. Oh, sorry, okay. Yeah, so uh, were you guys filming Making a Ranger? That's right. Um, okay. Yeah, we so talk that's about that where I was too. born. Okay. So, and I grew up in Pretoria. Beach city. Yes. Okay, so, well, and then town. come back to another beach city. Yes. Um, All right, so another impactful way for anybody going on vacation, change your sunscreen. Mm. I was thinking about that. Reef safe sunscreen. Absolutely. I've, I mean... Been lucky to be a an avid uh, free diver and spear fisherman my entire life, and I've seen the change in places that didn't have that change in effect. Um, unfortunately, some beautiful reefs in Hawaii that are over trafficked, people literally touching the reef, which kills it or damages it, and then sunscreen, which essentially suffocates it out. Sure, that's another daily. That's mm -hmm. a daily change. You're going somewhere beautiful and tropical. Change your sunscreen. Mm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I, I love that you paused for a message like that. That's yeah. that's because you always you you circle back to the things you can do. Uh, throw it out there right now. Yeah. I love that. And the more tangible and the more easy, yeah. the better. Internally, for me, just to go back to the question, so I can wrap up on that one, uh, is. I, I started seeing smaller picture, like you're exactly what you're talking about. So I wanted to sell my photos and try to make a profit in that sense and give back to conservation groups that I'm really passionate in love with, so to speak, um, and then continue more and my, I would say, project conservation and, 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 and support in that capacity. Um, but I rethought that and I thought, keep it in that art, keep it in that realm, because there's a lot of people just giving money mm -hmm. to world wildlife organizations and stuff like that. But 
so I my my goal is one day to sell my photography to empower a young local person in Africa or in India wherever the, the path might, might take me um, and give them a camera so create a photographer an extension of myself and vice versa pay it forward um, a bit and pay it forward um, cool. and yeah. I, I think that's that's something so just as something as simple as something tangible that I can give back that's a, photo- a, a photographer's dream yeah, I guess for me kid uh, or a young adult might be able to make a full living and elevate their entire family circumstances with that skill set. And they're there on ground zero every day and they have access, whereas I'm sitting idle on this side. And that's how we create a little community in that sense. So that's that's my that's my big challenge right now. That's kind of my yeah, roadblock yeah. because I, I want to get that done sure. with you, you know. So I love that. I know we'll Mars got yeah. one that we've hit on the topic multiple times. Which I do? Is what is it? How many people reach out for help? Oh, good one. I, I was already thinking. <laughs> it's a, and I was it's like, a, it's uh, a uh, daunting feeling uh-huh. because time, oh, energy, that funding. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and I felt like you could probably take that, I guess, that challenge in, in so many directions. But I mean, way to way to bring up something that I think that we, you, just because you and I have really had some heart to hearts on this topic, and I think that's one of the biggest things. And I'll take it from, uh, I'll take it from like a bigger picture, like project perspective, and really like the the challenge with funding and and coming up with that and there you go out and you meet so many amazing people I know for me it's more when I say challenge for me it's more of just I'm really I guess sensitive and I'll share the I'll sell the shirt off my back even if I'm freezing like it's just I I I can't so hard for me to say no even if I can't take care of myself whatever it may be so I think that's been a big challenge when it comes to projects like with you 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 know of friends on the front lines or projects doing amazing stuff and who need help and and there's no shortage of 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 projects or individuals that could use whether it be your time uh, funding fundraising whatever it's like how do you pick which how do how do you pick one and then say no to another when they're both equally incredible and amazing that's so hard you know you I don't know and I think that that sometimes almost is debilitating the sense we're just like I almost just feel like I have to step back because I can't say no. Yeah. And you um, have to like refocus. And yeah, breathe. and really be like, if if one could be more impactful, could my my efforts or my you know my funds go further if I put it here over here? And to make that choice can be really challenging. I think, and that maybe that's all. That's an internal thing. I think it kind of goes with the internal. I think um, on the same, I guess note would also be people, you know, reaching out a lot and wanting to get involved and help. And that can be mm-hmm. really hard to kind of know, like how to guide people into that. Cause I That's obviously to, do yeah. a, um, you know, I, my approach to conservation is not traditional. It's hard for me to be like, Oh, well just all you gotta do is go to school and study this or go volunteer with this place mm-hmm. or, or go to an internship here. And that'll set you on course. Like I, I've kind of wanted to carve out my own weird little path in conservation, which I think it's not going to be linear forever, you know, for everyone else. So I can share my experience, but I can't guarantee that that's going to work and for, for the next person. So I think also like giving advice, I think would be one of the challenges for me when people reach out, you know, wanting to get involved and like, how do I do X, Y, Z? A lot of times I'm like, honestly, I wish I had a, an answer, but I don't, I can share you with you my experiences and how I got to be doing what I'm doing, but I can't promise that that's going to be, and are people wanting to um, uh, help out or, or be involved mm-hmm. or, you know, Hey, can I come with you on your next trip? And I, while well, I would love that, but I'm like, I, I can barely afford to pay for myself to go. <laughs> you yeah, know? Exactly. And, and so I, I guess, I guess to, to I guess the, the big theme with kind of all of those things that I'm, I'm saying is, I think funding. If I'm completely honest, to mm-hmm. me is one of the biggest challenges. It's with it can be debilitating because there's so much I want to do. Like it creates anxiety, like for me, so much, and to where you're 
I'm, there's so many projects you want to do. I have so many things that I have like list of whether they be projects that I want that are already existing that I want to support and help out with that I want to go do and f- do a film about, mm-hmm. or whether there are other projects that I want to help start or that you and I want to collaborate on. The, I, it's a shortage of time, it's a shortage of funding, and and, and it can be overwhelming because there's no shortage of. Um, individuals projects and causes that that could use all the help they can get and it's and you get a little like you almost just don't you almost just want to like curl up in a little ball and be like i can't do it all so i can't do any of it and that to me has been one of my biggest challenges and that's super fluffy and i know that you probably wanted something no, more it's, tangible no, no it's actually it's a really good answer really yeah, i feel absolutely. like that's so like i'm emo true. and fluffy that's, that's no because you're being honest you know and, and, yeah. and, and that's the most important part i, I you know accurate and i think a lot of I, I mean i think funding for most projects if we're being if we're just being frank so many projects on the funding front lines like so unless you're world wildlife fund or i don't you know one yeah. of those major you know I'm going to call them organizations, but no, but like I'm going to call them a corporation, you know, unless you're, you're, I mean, funding's always an issue. And I think that most people in conservation are always looking for ways of like, how do you create job opportunities in the local community? How do you still pay for the, you know, the projects? And then how do you sustain your efforts? And I think all of us sitting at this table can attest as well as, you know, Odin can attest. He agrees, agrees. He's like, you got money, don't grow a dream, girl. My brothers and sister, uh, canine units, they, they, even as cool as they are, we struggle for funding on that. Yeah. So it was just like you were saying the other day, though. I mean, if we had like ten thousand extra dollars, we could fix Dude, if, fifty if, problems. Yeah, you know? if we were yeah. fortunate enough to get a ten, we've lost projects over the last year. Which I mean, so it's same thing. You know, like we we had to shelf projects that we were so close mm. after building for two or three years. You know, this is all behind the scenes build up work where you're doing paperwork, meeting, 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 meeting government contract da 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 and then something major fails and mm. it's not it's not in your control and it's debilitating cuz you know you could do it mm. but then a key factor that you thought was secure falls through mm-hmm. and uh, in our case a couple of it was like you know major donors passing away from from covid um, you know then the world in a global, uh, global financial crisis and you know you have to be real and just step back and try to agree but like uh, it doesn't sit well, right? No, of because- course not. And then you have a project reach out to you and be like, hey, Mike, we're really struggling. We really could use X, Y, Z. And you're like, oh, it, we could run an, an entire, we can run an entire project for 10K for an entire year. Yeah. Like, I mean, we can run a special project for that money we make dollars go so far and i know you do yeah and you know like and so i think that's what's so frustrating because you like then you see like oh i don't know i don't want to take away from anybody's cause or anything but you know you see something just gets handed like a 200k check and you're like whoa yeah jeez i wonder mm-hmm. you know how do we get to that point eventually mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the i think for me what becomes like overwhelming it is funding because even in our projects that we've sustained, you know, we have to work so hard to maintain, maintain that funding, but it's the overwhelming thing to me that frustrates me is the assumption that money is coming to you so easily. Mm, so they yeah. go, Oh, people love rhinos and elephants and they hate that they're dying. I bet you it's so easy for you to fundraise and you just sit there and go cross-eyed and you're just like, mm-hmm. sure. Bro, yeah. I can't, I can't even like half the time you get rude comments from people who, are at it like a a booth event you're not even approaching them they're approaching you yeah. and like uh oh, is this an animal booth you know like <laughs> oh, you know shame. And you're just like 
And for me, I'm just sitting there, like, usually trying to keep my cool and with And those that. are the easier animals to fundraise, like these charismatic, yes. mega, you know. And we use, yeah. we use the megafauna for the protection efforts of everything else. Yeah, and the less sexy projects. And yeah. the less yeah. sexy projects, yeah, exactly, community-based conservation. Yeah. Um, CBC, yeah. baby. So, I mean, it's so challenging. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to, just to even d- dig a little deeper into that, because I mean, uh, we're we're still technically, I mean, not even technically, we are still in the middle of COVID. Yes. Um, and I mean, we're a while, I mean, we're a solid year, some a year in now, we'll call mm-hmm. it. And um, I know, and I mean, I figure at some point, if I'm jumping ahead for, you know, correct me and tell me to shut up, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, so many conservation projects rely really heavily on ecotourism and with the with the you know obviously with the pandemic and everything like tourism has essentially been non-existent for the last 12 months and that's been a huge challenge i've at least from what i've heard from people who've reached out to me i've had projects reach out to me just recently someone a project in kenya reach out wanting you know hey is there any way you can come tell our story and do a film and i was like heartbroken because i'm like i would love to one i mean i don't necessarily have like the funds to, to to do that at this time but i can't even i think that they think that i'm still based out in south africa right now which maybe make would make it a little easier but I'm like, bro, I'm already I'm all the way in San Diego. Like yeah. to get out there is is quite a feat a at this mission. time, and I can't even. And that's heartbreaking. And I know so many places are really in need of of marketing and fundraising right now because they're not getting those tourism dollars. And so many of these conservation projects that are employing people in the community, so much of it is so heavily tied to ecotourism, especially throughout Africa, but all over. I mean, talk about you know down yeah. in like Central and South America, um, you know, throughout South, Southeast Asia, and that's something that I'm sure you probably you know you know all too well. Oh, like yeah. with having a lot of those tourism dollars um, you know, dry up essentially mm-hmm. over this last year, it's really making people go back to the drawing board and be like, crap, we have to really rethink our, our business model in a sense. And which even brings us back to what we were talking about earlier about the shade grown coffee and things like that. And like diversifying, you know, means of bringing in, in an income to, to be able to keep operations going. If God forbid, like tourism was to be, you know, swept out from underneath you, which right. as we've seen. Well, I think just to bring it full circle on the question, I think it was a, the roadblock port, I think, and I'm a pessimist by nature. I don't know why, but mm. I was, it's always the worst. I predict the worst. And is, this then, half, is this wine glass half full or actually half Actually, that empty? one's half empty. So. <laughs> 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 anything, with, anything with alcohol is half empty. Um, so I'm just teasing. But um, to bring it full circle, I think from an outside perspective too, because I'm not, I'm no biologist. I'm no true uh, uh, graduated um, conservationist but hey, I've seen I've right. seen things and yeah. and I am so optimistic now that we are resetting to a certain extent that we all we have get, been gifted a time and I, I do believe it's there's a pro and con you could probably ex- elaborate on this Mike um, with regards to animals getting a little bit of a break from oh, tourism yeah. to a certain extent which also has a negative impact with poaching and not too many eyes now on the wild, um, which makes it challenging. But taking a pause and now saying, okay, what else can we do? Well, Let's think out because yeah. constantly with conservation, I've seen Marlena do this with Project Conservation, and just I can only imagine with GCF is that it's just probably the same thing. It's you, you you're burning, you're, the engine's going. And there's no break to catch yep. up, and you have to keep it going. You yep. have investors, you have this, you have that, uh, you have projects that you promise deadlines to, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's like it's paused, and now you can kind of rethink the whole project. You can rethink the next step. And I like to think there's there's beautiful things that are going to happen out there, and I think it's going to go to more intimate experiences where it's it's not so big, grandioso, massive uh, World Wildlife Fund um, that's going to take the take the um, 
the funding that that potentially now the smaller groups can get and all the more passionate projects can get as far as like on an intimate level if that makes any sense yes so i like to i like to think it's positive yeah i like that spin um (laughs) no for really i i I do i like that i mean uh that comes back to balance right like finding suppose pro and con always comes with a balance and what side of the lens you can see and stepping back so, so you get close to it and then you step back again and go okay how do i work against this con is there a pro how do i how do i use that pro to the situation and then yeah i think i mean in our case we <laughs> the beginning of last year we had all of our professional development programs ready to launch and we had all of our ecotourism packages open which were going right. to help us yeah. save time without having to fundraise so much mm-hmm. and then we lost them all well mm. there were a bunch of changes that happened and long story short they're still there they're robust but we have people who are dying to go on vacation yes. oh and that's that's the thing and they uh, want put impact. me in that group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, seriously. I mean, like, it's imp- the people want to go and they want an impact sure. in real experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which obviously you can really get when you go out. Yeah, of course. Um, well, also, just to, sorry to chime in. Go, do it, baby, go. We were talking about also the community based conservation. I think the pause, the pause has created this thing for me why i kind of mentioned it earlier about empowering another photographer to take the photo that i'm not able to get yeah not all of us need to go out in the field Mm -hmm. i don't have an expertise in creating you know a platoon of rangers i don't even that's what you call but you know a team of rangers (laughs) that take care of business i don't have that experience i don't have that you need your skill set out in africa out in, in india wherever you're at um to educate to implement you have a certain skill set I feel like I'm quoting the movie Taken. I was going to say, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'm sure it's so skilled. Exactly. <laughs> but, but as a photographer, anybody can click a button. Mm-hmm. Now, I like to think that I click it uh, with, 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 the, with the hope, maybe a different passion than somebody else. No, but, but I love what you're saying. But you know what I mean? And, 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 and I think I stole that idea from Molina because project conservation, and maybe you can elaborate on what, well, like, what you, no, I, I, yeah, I think you know I, I love what he's saying. And I think that you, you guys, you guys understand this too. I, I'm all about like passing the baton in, in, sure. in a sense. Like I, I, we obviously all come from, you know, privileged backgrounds in the sense that we you know we're from, you know, a, a Western developed country and we even have the means to be able to like, you know, go have and fly podcast. somewhere and, yeah, and do this yeah, podcast exactly. and, yeah. and and all of that. And I, I, I'm all about. I we've talked about like you know the the colonial roots of of conservation in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and and I understand that that is um you know. It, it's a kind of a catch-22 because that is how a lot of things get funded. That is, you know, how, you know, how you do bring attention to things. But I, I do believe that if you're, you know, for me, at least I know this is something I've talked with Xander, you know, at length about is I've always really wanted, like I've known, like when I get to a, a place where I've built something enough that can be self-sustaining, like I want to pass that off. Like I want to, I want to create, I've always ever only wanted to create opportunities for other people. Mm-hmm. And I think this pandemic has really been a, in a been only, has only solidified that, idea and passion even more to be like look like i may we may not be able to ever i mean god forbid we can never leave san diego california ever again right like we're stuck in mike's backyard forever who knows but i'm just yeah but i'm just you know (laughs) if you think about that like it doesn't mean that the work can't still go on like you don't need people from Mm -hmm. outsiders from you know western developed countries or the the white the white westerner guy coming in and 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 doing it like you we should be empowering you know local communities who know probably more than we do with their indigenous knowledge and and with their local roots and their ties and it's belongs to them anyways and 
I think that that's been a really eye-opening thing too with um, with this. And unfortunately, you know, funding is still can be an issue for a lot of them, especially if ecotourism isn't coming in. So kind of being more creative of like, well, maybe I can get into helping support these alternative livelihood projects and these alternative livelihood, you know what I mean, paths, um, you know, if that allows, you know, a lot of these on the ground projects to be self-sustaining and employ, you know, low people from the local community without having to have someone come in to fund it, like that would be a beautiful thing. And so I think it's allowed me to kind of reevaluate, like maybe moving forward where I want to be putting a lot of my time into um, and, and the money that I do have to spare, you know, into the projects, like being a little more strategic about really focusing on the ones that allow, um, you know, to create lo- opportunity for local people to tell their own stories, to, 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 to run their own projects and to, and to, and yeah, yeah and instead, to be more of, instead, of, instead of leaving a pen flip behind at the end of the day you you leave empowered people behind to do the job on their own and yeah. motivated. Yeah. So thank you both for yeah. making me see that. Yeah. yeah. I gotta say, it's really cool to like hear you guys is, you know, the way you guys speak about it. Cause oftentimes, you know, especially like, in, especially in photography, people are like, well, this is my niche. This is how I'm going to do it. Mm. But it's really cool to see you guys be like, I want to create, it's almost like a legacy, you know, like you guys yeah. want to empower yeah. the future. We're and, not going to be around forever, yeah. you know. I, I'd yeah. like to think that we are, but um, I think it's, it's yeah. more, it's more um, fulfilling and mm-hmm. more just powerful to 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 share everything to share. with everybody Absolutely. yeah i'm yeah. not like you know like i mean i'm like not to get all socialist i'm just kidding <laughs> no i'm like i'm actually like that's not my my mo in life at all but i i do think that like there's so many there's so much opportunity to go around for so many people mm-hmm. and i also just think that like it is it's a really beautiful thing when other i think for us the storytelling is a bit of a is, is a bit of a different niche because it's not as you can pick up a camera i think that you you're good or you're not like i know it sounds like i mean you can get crud but i think one of the coolest things for us at least like on our journey when we were in africa we did our like long road trip together is meeting people um you know we met some really amazing guides and all walks of life all walks mm-hmm. of life that were really into photography and you hand them over your camera and they go ham and they have and they bring back stuff that i'm like oh my god they're they're natural like if uh-huh. this person had a like with opio remember opio yes. and i left left behind my little gopro i was like yes. just take it bro like just yeah. you know and that to me is like i want to be in more of a position where i can still go out and enjoy because i love doing that and and still get you know that that feel of it there's a lot of egos in conservation oh my especially gosh. You Honestly, know, especially in, in I'll say in photography and filmmaking, you I have a lot shocked. of people, yeah, that don't want to share or sure. don't want to share the opportunity. And yeah. I'm all about like I have. I always joke with him. I'm like, he hates when I say this, but it's the truth. I'm like, I could die happy tomorrow. I've I've been blessed with so many amazing experiences. If I never to go back out in like the wild, no, like I think I'll, that's the best thing you could tell. Yeah, I'll be okay, right? But at the same time, like I I I'm I'm ready at a point where like I would like to really focus on creating opportunity for other people, especially in the storytelling space. Yes. I understand more more specialized stuff. You know whether you know whether it be veterinarian, but you know true field biologists like doing you know that hardcore work, or like mm-hmm. what you're doing with like building up these teams with tactical stuff and military backgrounds, and what you do with the dog, you know the dog training, like anti poaching units. That's specialized. Not anyone can do that, and I understand right, that. Expertise. But like a lot of what we do, which is you know I think um, more on the creative side of conservation and the marketing stuff, I, I do think that there's a lot more space to, to to pass the baton and make room for other people. And I think that like, at least for me, and we've talked about it, like that's right. kind of a, our goal moving forward with project conservation is you know once things kind of the ball gets rolling a little a little bit and hopefully we're done with COVID. Yes. Crossed. Sorry, well, that was what's long. really cool about the photography thing is like unlike you know the being an APU or a biologist or a zoologist or anything like that you don't need to go to school and take mm-hmm. this really long degree anything like that and yeah. the way cameras are set up they're incredibly cheap and you know your GoPro is just a little bit your phone Jeez, is just a little bit nice. yeah, yeah and the, the so amount far. of just really skillful phone photography and anything like that it really just kind of throws you head first into conservation mm-hmm. because you're like oh I want to take a photo of this animal I got to learn more about it. You know, mm-hmm. I got to learn about the animals surrounding it. And it was really interesting. You know, I was 
um, when I went to school, I have a, have a degree in journalism. I was like, I want to get a, uh, want a minor in marine biology. It's like, no, just go and do your niche, learn mm-hmm. through experts. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what's so cool about it is you, the photography is almost like a gateway into conservation mm-hmm. because you're like, I want to, you almost, it's almost like an addiction. You're like, I have to know as much as I can mm-hmm. to get the shot and, and to do that. Yeah, and it's, you're very blessed to go behind, behind the, behind the scene. Sorry. Yeah. You're very blessed to go behind the scene and, and just be the lens mm-hmm. and absorb all this interactions all all this knowledge being dispersed to volunteers from you know a game warden or so to speak and and you're just the camera you're gonna learn no matter what mm-hmm. yeah. but i love what robert exactly. i love what you said about yes. about you go out and like there is a benefit to self-teaching yourself like animal behavior and understanding their mating behaviors like all of mm-hmm. that because then you're gonna get the better shots you can anticipate what you're, you're, what so you're right. doing Absolutely. which is you know but like i mean that comes with experience i mean you can learn it in, in school time. but even if yeah. you learn it in school i mean i always i'm like god if i could just get my money back from grad school because <laughs> i'm like i actually think i've learned most of what i know in conservation not from studying it in school like conservation yeah, biology it's from being in the yeah. field like you learn like i don't learn i mean i don't remember half the crap i learned in school <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean granted the field stuff was great but you know what i'm saying and i think that you really hit the nail on the head with saying like you didn't have to study it um necessarily to, to become a, a photographer in that space yeah um but learning it as you go definitely probably makes you a better photographer yeah it makes you better for it and i think it, you it kind of just you, you feel really humble too especially yeah. when you get a really good shot and you're like because there's so many you know, elements that come to play. Yeah, you I mean you see the you see the finished product, but you're like, dude, this took me like two weeks to find, mm-hmm. and I had a you know I had to go here and there, and you know we had this person help that person travel. help. Thirty hours of travel. So, the stories behind the shots yeah. are always the good stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, see. and yeah. that's what's so nice is, and especially in South Africa, like you were saying, almost everybody you know there's all there's a handful, I mean more than a handful, everybody's a photographer, and that's what's so cool about it yeah. is um, we were at Weston's or not Weston's house, um, um, Calvin, sorry Calvin, we're at Calvin's house and one of his friends came over and he was showing me his camera and mm-hmm. everyone's got mm-hmm. it and it's it's really cool and it's a it's a way to kind of combine and and it's a shared experience yeah, yeah. exactly I, I i mean yeah i totally agree i have nothing else to say back mm-hmm. to that that's beautiful yeah. so what is project conservation you know oh oh to it to it you know, Robert, that's a great question. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Is it, is it the same as last story? I'm so glad yeah, you asked. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so glad you asked, actually. I've been waiting to talk about this. No, I'm sure. just kidding. Uh, you know what? This uh, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I definitely, this past year, yeah, late year, I guess, has been um, a great time for, for me to kind of go back to the drawing board and kind of, what do I want the answer to that question to be? I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and like, I would say it started out very much what it still is now. And, um, you know, that's, really just been to use storytelling, visual storytelling specifically, you know, to highlight the voices of people and the projects on the front lines of global conservation. That's, I'm like, that's the mission statement I haven't memorized. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I think, you know, kind of going back to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier and just, you know, really recognizing, you know, my, like my growing passion to want to pass the baton and create other opportunity for other young storytellers, especially Mm -hmm. those like from the communities that, you know, um, you know, that we love to travel to, we've traveled to, that we've been fortunate enough to meet. I think, uh, you know, that's really kind of made my wheels spin a lot. And since we've, you know, kind of had this hiatus slash time off over the last year and, you know, even like about a year and a half now because it's been a while since we'd gotten back from our big uh, um, uh, Africa trip but for me to go back to the drawing board so I've you know I've been a bit quiet in terms of just like what we've been putting out and you know social media because I've really just been brainstorming and doing a bunch of behind the scenes work in terms of what you know when the world quote opens back up again sure. what do I want that to look like so to answer your question um, I hope I think it's kind of like what it 
it was, I guess, or has been. Um, but I think moving forward, it's going to be um, sit the same, all you know, visual storytelling, but really focusing on building up other young storytellers um, to tell their their own stories and in, in, in their communities. Mm. And I think that that's really what I what I want uh, Project Conservation to be focused on and continue to do stuff. I know we have an exciting project that you know Mike uh, brought to our attention about a week ago. We've just scratched the surface of what that might be in a big story. And I definitely want to always stay involved with you know storytelling. Yeah. I you know. I would love to get to a point where I were producing regular series, um, you know, like a regular, a regular digital series. Um, and then I definitely have a couple of long form documentaries that are, have been on my like life bucket list, storytelling bucket list that I definitely want to do through project conservation at one point or another. But I think in terms of overall mission, it's definitely going to be incorporating more, um, you know, creating opportunities and passing the baton a bit. Can sure. I throw a total pauser in there? Too, Heck yeah. Quick? So to throw in life film dreams, I know you you guys know how much I nerd out on like making films and mm-hmm. and recording and editing and everything. Oh, that's right. I forget you come from a music background, Mike. I, always I know. Forget I that. mean, I, I come from a music production family. I grew up in the biz, mm-hmm. um, and I comically I used to be a stuntman. So I mean, forget and it was that because too. I was a weapon a weapons expert and a martial artist. Um, but so that aside, um, we have to do some epic road trip documentary at some point that'd be really cool and one that we and so my longtime group of friends all my buddies that i grew up with here in southern california the pals um i'm gonna shout out to the pals yeah uh, shout out we all want to do and i think we're closer to it now a trip from canada to patagonia That'd be really cool, right? Landies. It's like her bucket list. Oh, really? now you got so my like, heartbeat. You, you guys know my Toyota Tacoma and how I've slowly built it over the years? Mm-hmm. Yes. The reason it's built like that is for that trip. Are mm. you serious? Yeah. And he wants, to make the bu- he wants to make his van. Yeah, I want to, make, I want to not... do a van conversion. And his yeah. van's going to be stick shift. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the yes, other side, it's going to be alternate. It's going to be South African standard. Viva. Dude. Oh. It's gonna be called the Federale. Yeah, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be called the Federale. <laughs> oh damn! There you go. No, bro. Honestly, like, tell us when because I, I literally just said that, and I was like, our next, we want to do one, one more big African road trip sure. before, like, I mean, if we're ever gonna like, do the family thing, we're like, I have one more in me for sure, like, and it has that. But I'm also like, I definitely want to do. I've been wanting to do a, a down south. Mm. Hell yeah! I've yes. been wanting. So, bro, if you really are trying it, to do it, it's been on. So, so for so many reasons, it's been on my I'm getting, like, I'm getting old. Like, so well, I mean, like, we gotta make moves. Like, I don't have, I don't have all day. So I'm like, well, I don't know how many more years I, mean, I have before it. we, we have. I mean, I can remember. Oh God, we were surfing, and this is probably, I don't know, at least ten years ago, surfing. And then when I was a ranger here in Southern California, we would all sit around the fire and we talk about this dream and goal. But like the idea was camp, surf, and dive all the way down mm. the coast and live like a local. And okay, I'll sun, I'll sunbathe while, while you surf. So you you would love to dive though. I'll dive. I'll dive yeah. with you. Oh yeah. But I'm, yeah. I don't. I, don't I mean, surfing. but I mean like. Live like a local, travel hell yeah. the whole, Bro, tell hell the yeah. story, road trip, Anthony D. Bourdain style. Bring yeah. my drone. There you go. Yeah. But, yes. man, and maybe on the way, finding really kind of like similar to what we do with our African road trip, but, you know, on along the way, stopping and telling, you know, and maybe donating our time or whatever and telling the cool stories and highly, even just whether it's, we do a cute little fundraising thing along mm-hmm. the way and we donate yeah. it to the next project that we find, but we can do, we can find some really cool projects and people doing awesome stuff and, you know, in the name of conservation sure. along the way. That could be pretty epic. And it's so funny. I never really appreciated road trips and overlanding uh, as much as I do now. Um, we 
always love to do a little road trip because you get breakfast on the way and then growing your, up your yeah. grandma makes those stinky hard-boiled eggs that you eat oh my god yes like <laughs> in the tupperware and it stinks up the coal but um we would do 12-hour trips uh, from south africa because that's literally from one end to the other is 12 hours or 15 mm. hours so to speak depending on how false you drive i don't know if it might take yeah. three weeks but yeah. um we but might no. pass somebody <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh but after our trip in, throughout africa maybe we could talk about that but with that trip coming back after that i'd say never again never well, again yeah and and it's been a, like the next month i was like oh my god i just want to be on a road wait again. really quick would you ship would you ship your truck up to canada like would you put on a on like a boat no i would or drive you, it up so you would drive it up to drive it back drive down? it up and start from the top Oh That'd damn! Cool. See, I'm. Oh, so, so I'm so. You guys, I'm so laughing. So you, yeah. so you guys could. Bougie. You could fly up and join yeah. me, but no, I mean, I'll ride with I've, you. I've, I've got. Uh, if you take the mom's in Oregon, I have long. my uncle who's in Seattle. I would just uh, make a prolonged. So you drive up and then turn. See, I'm yep. so. Well, I mean, we did that too. We ride together. Oh my god! There you go. I was like, well, how about we ship the car there and then we'll drive it down? I need to get my landy here then by that time. Dude, I know so she's just cool. sitting there. Yeah, she's Carbon sitting there. Yeah. Oh, we looked into. Cool. Well, you can't import into the states until the, she has to be how many more years old? She has to be twenty five years old. Yeah, yeah, and so she's got. I think we got another six years for her. Can for, import into Canada? Sure. But then, can, oh, can we drive it? Oh, because you're only through, going through. But then we'll have to Ooh. ship it back. And then you can port ship it back to Mexico. Here. That it might be a little. Babe, you guys are we talking about something way. illegal on this podcast, or is this oh, bro, legal or illegal? You know, it's, it's not so much illegal. <laughs> it's about kidding. making it work, there and if it's not staying in the states, it's yeah, only there passing. Yeah, there you go. Only passing through, yeah. and then we can ship her back. Yeah, I mean, that sounds quite pricey. So, could you imagine somebody like listening to this podcast? We will on the headphones. Like, we got them. I'm like, remember that one time. No, but we actually did. We did. We looked into um, getting her out here, um, yeah. and we looked into the laws and all that, and we were like, oh. California is tough. Because they're, so, cause they're yeah. so damn expensive here. Yeah. yeah. We were like, it's cheaper. Taxes, it's, Yeah, by the thing. time it gets here, I'm like, I see why it is the price that it is to buy them here. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I mean, you know, you can get them so much more affordable in South Africa, yeah. but if you can't import it's it in. sunshine tax for sure. Tenth of the price. Yeah, it's crazy. Literally. Sorry, so, sorry yeah, for the, yeah. the no, detour. No, no, Please, no, no sorry. I think yeah. Robert has a follow-up. Yeah, I got a follow-up question. Okay, just, I'll put my pizza back down. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's for you. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's really, you know, it's, it's really heartwarming to hear how positive you guys are for the future and, and, you know, talk about how, you know, you want to inspire the next generation of, you know, future uh, people in conservation. But I, I guess everybody wants an origin story. And, and if you're going to inspire, you know, future generations, I think it'd be really cool. What inspired you to get into conservation? I mean, who was your, who did you look up to? Thank you for tuning in to Coffee and Conservation with Mike Veal and Robert Pike. That does it for part one of two with Marlena and Xander from Project Conservation. Tune in this Friday at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for part two of this episode.